Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Jets win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning. 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeJet1. And it's time to get to know your foe, Los Angeles Chargers edition. And so for that, we bring in our friend, a return guest. He's been on the show several times to talk about the Chargers and the USC Trojans football program because he covers the Chargers, the Rams, and USC for the LA Football Network. He's also the founder. I don't know if you remember those old hair club for men ads back in the day, Ryan, but the guy would say, I'm not only the president, I'm a client, and it would turn out that he was in the hair club for men. You're not only somebody who hosts shows and does content over there. You're the founder, Ryan Dyrude. Ryan, thanks so much for coming back on the show, brother. <laughs> what an intro, my man, Scott. Thanks for having me. It's been a uh... Three years in the making. We were just talking off air when I first came on. My daughter was just born, and now I'm talking about a three and a half year old that I get to bed soon. So uh, it's been great, but uh, happy to be on with you and excited to talk about this game and and see kind of where these two teams sit, kind of in somewhat similar situations. It seems it's definitely going to be one of those crossroads games because I think if the Jets are able to get by the Chargers it really puts them in a nice position going forward. Whereas if the Chargers get by the Jets, all of a the sudden they go from a team that people left for dead to right back in the thick of things right now, three and four. If they win this one, they're four and four back to 500 and right there with all the rest of the teams in the playoff mix. So this will be a fascinating matchup. Let's start with the injuries. What do we need to know there? Yeah, um, you know, they're, they're fairly getting healthy again outside of obviously Mike Williams who they lost really at the for the entire season Joshua Palmer in the in the receiving room is he hasn't practiced so it's unlikely he'll go I think he's still technically questionable but most likely it'll be Keenan Allen and then maybe we'll see Quentin Johnson the first round pick kind of finally have his breakout game if he's going to be forced into that wide receiver two role if Josh Palmer can't go um, and then Corey Lindsley still as a center I think we talked about him last time I was on mm-hmm. one of the, their stalwart uh, center is dealing with a you know a heart condition they haven't really given us a ton of details basically Staley said in his last press conference about it that he's in good spirits he's doing well and he's finding other ways to help our team which basically means he's probably not going to be back for the long foreseeable future and obviously his health and his heart condition and his family is first and foremost but offensively that's kind of who you're looking at defensively um, they're, you know, they're fairly healthy at the moment. Defensive line is, is good. Uh, Tito Abonia, they, they brought back on the 21 
day window coming off IR. I don't know if he'll go for this Jets game, but um, they do have depth, obviously, on that defensive line outside of that. And and Edge is all healthy with Bosa. Kind of has been nursing a toe injury all year long, but he's he's played through it, so he should be good to go. And on the back end, you know, you should we should see. Hopefully, Alohi Gilman back as that starting safety, um, but that is still kind of a, a questionable mark alongside Derwin James. And then uh, outside of that, though, that's pretty healthy, clean bill of health outside of that. Ryan, let's talk coaching. The Chargers defense has been rough. You got to pin that on the defensive coordinator, but you also got to pin it on the head coach, Brandon Staley, who, as we both know, was a defensive whiz kid. He made his bones working with Vic Fangio and then graduated to working with Sean McVay with the Rams before not even having to leave L.A., staying in town and going to the Chargers. You and I discussed Brandon Staley. That was the first time you came on the show, and we were both very impressed with him. You were happy that he stayed in town and went to the Chargers. I thought he would have been a great choice for the Jets. So far, it's been a bit of a rough ride for him, especially this year. Talk to me about what you've seen, what's gone wrong here so far, and what is going on with the coaching of the defense. We'll get into the individual player performances later, but to have a Brandon Staley coach team be this rough on defense doesn't seem like something you would expect. Yeah, it's a great mystery, Scott. I mean, since he's been here, he's really, I think, changed the culture in a way. Um, you know, they've, they've really done things way differently than what was the previous regime with Anthony Lynn and, you know, brought in his own guys and, and kind of changed the workout regiment and the practice regiment. And, and there was a lot of, you know, carryover from like his, his one year with the Rams and kind of how the Rams did things in practice and training camp, which I was able to attend, you know, both teams and kind of see the similarities and see the differences. But, you know, a lot of things have trended in the right way. I think if you look at the big picture and you don't just look at the records or, or some of the frustrating things that have happened with this regime. I think there's a lot of good things you can take from, from what Brandon Staley's done. Now this is a results business. And unfortunately, you know, we missed the playoffs at, at an overtime game against the Raiders in year one last year, obviously had that debacle in Jacksonville in the second half and, and blowing a 27 point lead. And now this year you come in basically saying, you know, we're moving past that game. Like we, we, this is who we are. We're, we're a, a smash mouth team. That's going to punch you in the mouth. And they start the season. zero and two, they climb back to two and two, and they lose two straight right after that to go two and four. And then obviously now they, they just beat a, a nice get right game against the bears to go three and four. So it's, it's really interesting because, you know, I, I think the players respond well to him, his coach, he's brought in a, a good coaching staff, brought in Kellen Moore this year to coach the offense, which that seemed to be the one, missing link you know last year joe lombardi he was the the oc for the previous two years and everyone was like that's the thing holding this team back is the offensive play calling you know justin herbert's this ferrari and they're they're giving him play calls like he's a ford pinto and it just it seemed like with kellen moore there would be this flip switched and we've seen flashes of it we've seen moments but we really haven't seen an offense that is that much more explosive and that much more consistent than what it was last year and your point to the defense is you know it's it's been a unit that all through Staley's tenure has not been a good unit. And when you're known for your defensive prowess and your defensive intelligence, I mean, just look who obviously you cover and who the Chargers are playing, Robert Sala, whatever. I, I don't know how you guys fully feel about him. I think he's been done pretty well with what he's been given, but obviously the defense has been the focal point and it's been good in New York overall. Staley should have been the same way. And for whatever reason, the defense has never been good while he's been there. Now, I can sit and I watch film and I think a lot of it's execution, unfortunately, and guys just not really trusting their their gaps and trusting the scheme and what they're supposed to do in their job and maybe trying to do too much. 
Um, but ultimately it falls on the head coach. It falls on Derek Ansley, who's now the defensive coordinator. And, you know, we'll see if they're able to get it, it corrected moving forward. They got, they looked good against the bears, but I mean, who doesn't? So we'll see what they, they look like, uh, you know, moving forward. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk about Justin Herbert. He's become a bit of a divisive character. I've said that I think it's one of those situations where, and we've all seen this, you'll see a national game and there'll be a quarterback who's really, really good. And he has a game that maybe is a little bit off and then everybody starts with, well, are we sure such and such quarterback is really that good? We saw it with Trevor Lawrence a few weeks ago in London when the Jaguars were playing the Bills. Everybody's saying, oh, I don't know, he wasn't really that good. Yes, Trevor Lawrence is very good. And by the way, Justin Herbert, also pretty awesome. But you look at some of these circumstances he finds himself in, loses a lot of tight games, especially when we're talking about ones that are nationally televised. A lot of that, I would argue, is not on him. He gets put into a lot of very tough situations. I know that that's been documented. He's faced more third and longs and fourth and long situations than just about any quarterback in the league. And you do a lot of running, it doesn't work out. And then you put the ball in Herbert's hands and say, help us get out of this mess. Sometimes Harry Houdini can't pull a rabbit out of the hat. But ultimately, I think he's established himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But still, it feels like there's something missing there, or at least that's perception. Talk to me about Herbert from inside that Chargers bubble. There's been a bit of a schism among those who are hardcore fans and hardcore analysts at this point. I tend to come down on the side of him being awesome, but just people sort of seeing selective pieces that don't make him look as good or in their minds don't make him look as good. Tell me your thoughts on it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, great conversation, one that we have all the time on, you know, our network and our shows and, you know, it, what it comes down to is he's a phenomenal talent, one of the best arm talents I've seen in covering, you know, football dating, you know, all the way back to college and whatever it may be. Uh, a phenomenal just athletic specimen can make every throw, can can escape the pocket. We've seen some of those plays like against the Titans where he's got a guy in his face and he basically just stiff arms the face back and throws a touchdown over him. Um, he can do anything, make any throw, uh, can learn the playbook. You know, he's on his his third offense in four years in the NFL. I mean, I think that's something that not a lot of people talk about that, you know, guys like Pat Mahomes had the same offense his whole career. Guys like Josh Allen has had the same offense his whole career. Justin Herbert's on his third now in in his fourth season because he had Pep Hamilton, Joe Lombardi, and now Kellen Moore. So I think that's a factor in it. Um, where he hasn't made the step yet, and this is where I've been, I don't like to say overly critical, but you know, it's what we do, Scott, right? We sit here and we talk about these guys for a living. So we got to at least not be homers the whole time. So the guy's amazing, but where he hasn't making, made that step, which you kind of alluded to, is he hasn't been able to fully overcome and like put the Superman cape on at all times. He has sometimes, and he has it has in big moments, but it, more often than not, he hasn't. I made a comparison a few weeks back that at this point in his career, Justin Herbert's actually a lot closer to Kirk Cousins than he is to Pat Mahomes because he's got all the stats. You know, he he statistically is always up there, but he has doesn't have all those heroics late games where, you know, two minutes left, ball in your hands, oh, forget about it, Chargers are winning this game. At this point, and it's funny, our, our Chargers show, they actually heard them talk about it uh, earlier. At this point, if going into this game against this Jets team, if the Jets are up two points, two minutes left, and the ball's in Bur Herbert's hand, more than likely not, the Chargers are losing that game. And so he hasn't yet got to that point where 
he's just got that killer instinct, whether that's his fault or not. But I think a lot of times with the great ones, they go past whether it's play calling, whether it's scheme, whether it's their weapons, whether it's the culture, whatever. And they're able to overcome all of that and just go out and win a football game, you know, Jimmy's with the Jimmy's on the field and go get it done. And he just hasn't quite reached that level yet. He's had some opportunities this year. He had against the Dolphins in week one. He had it against the Titans in week two, had it against the Cowboys in week four and came up short on all three of them. So unfortunately, that's what's kind of holding him back. I think he gets criticized maybe a little too much on the other end of the spectrum. But overall, until he starts stacking some of those last second heroics, because we can say fourth quarter comebacks all we want, but fourth quarter is 15 minutes long. That fourth quarter comeback can happen, you know, in the first three minutes of the fourth quarter and then hold Pat. What what does it look like in those final two minutes, those final minute and a half? And that's where he needs to make that next step. Ryan, as far as the running game goes, this has got to be frustrating for Chargers fans to watch because Joshua Kelly has been very up and down. There have been some games where he's looked really good and then some games where he's been pretty much non-existent. Austin Eckler had a great game in the opener against the Dolphins. Then he was out for a bit, and ever since he's come back, he's really offered the Chargers very little. Talk to me a little bit about what's going on with this running game because if they're going to help elevate Herbert to that level that you're talking about, it would be nice for them if they had a running game that was more effective consistently. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely something we talk about a lot. And I don't know if it's even necessarily the the player or personnel. It's it's almost the play calling just kind of gets away from it. And I think that's just an NFL in general nowadays, right? Like how many teams, no matter who the quarterback is, some teams don't even have like a, an elite quarterback and they still get away from the run game and decide to throw it 40 times. Um, which is always interesting to me. But I mean, for instance, against Minnesota, like Herbert threw the ball 48 times. They ran the ball, I think, 11 times total in that game. They ended up winning that game. But it, it, a lot of it, I think, is just the actual play call is they're just not sticking to the run. And I think when Austin Eckler was out for a couple games with injury, whether or not it was because, you know, his dynamism being able to be a dual threat running back, maybe Kellen Moore felt that Joshua Kelly and Isaiah Spiller didn't give him that. So they they didn't really have that that threat, if you will. So they, they just tried away and just went to the passing game to Keenan Allen and whatnot. Um, but I think Joshua Kelly has shown some really good things when he's been given the opportunity, he had a really nice 45 yard touchdown, touchdown run against the chiefs a couple weeks back. So it's more giving him touches and giving Eckler touches. And I'll just say this about Kelly. Kelly's one of those backs. I covered him back when he was at UCLA as well here in LA. And he's one of those backs. It's like an old school running back that really just needs that lather needs to get, you know, double digit touches to really get going. You can't expect him to come in, run the ball four times and have one of those be an explosive play. He had that against the chiefs, ironically enough, but that's not what his style of game. And he's got to be, you know, 10, 11, 12 touches, take the load off of Austin Eckler, who's a smaller bodied back, use him more in the passing game. And then that gives you that kind of dynamism between the two of them. So to your point, I think if it's it's not necessarily Joshua Kelly's disappeared or whatnot, it's more the play calling and whatever the play design has just hasn't utilized him or Eckler, I think, kind of correctly and how they can get that run game going. Receivers are an interesting group because you look at it on paper and you say Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Quentin Johnston, who is a first round pick. That's a pretty good group. However, as we know, Mike Williams tore his ACL, so he's out for the year. 
As you said, Josh Palmer, who has put up some pretty impressive numbers this year, he's banged up. Quentin Johnston was a first-round pick. He has done next to nothing. But then you've got Keenan Allen, who, through it all, continues to produce like one of the best receivers in the NFL. So this is a strange group going up against an excellent New York Jets secondary, especially the cornerbacks. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about this matchup and the wide receivers. Yeah, this is and this is going to be tough sledding if Josh Palmer's out. Obviously, like I like you just said, and I said, Mike Williams obviously is out for the year, so he's done. But Palmer's, you know, another receiver that gives them a different dynamic and and you know gives them some versatility there. So if he's can't go, I mean, you're looking at Keenan Allen, obviously who's been great, and then Quentin Johnston who's been really unproven, and then Darius Davis who's kind of a fourth round gadget guy and then a few other walk-ons Keelan Doss and and a few others that were you know, training camp practice squad guys and now been elevated so um it's gonna be tough against the secondary against this defense against a, a pass rush that can obviously get after the quarterback and the, another thing that Justin Herbert has kind of struggled with this year and you know a lot of people unless you're really diving in wouldn't see this as a struggle because statistically it looks fine but you know he's really just keyed in on Keenan Allen and has kind of gone away from anyone else. And there's been a lot of moments where Quentin Johnson has been wide open on routes and whether it's the um, progression concept that's been drawn up that just has him low down the progressions, whether it's a trust factor of uh, Justin Herbert, just really not having that chemistry yet with the rookie, whatever it may be, but there's been a lot of moments where he's forcing things and it hasn't really turned into interceptions, but a lot of times it turns into three and outs when you're forcing things to your number one receiver who might be really tightly covered. And you have this rookie first round pick who you really want to utilize wide open a lot. So it's going to be really important. I think for not only, not only Justin Herbert to, to find that trust to get some other guys involved, but also in Kellen Moore to, you know, call up some plays that actually have the progression going to other guys and not just keying in on Keenan Allen right off the bat. And, you know, you do that through some short stuff, some intermediate stuff, get the ball out of his hands quick. Quentin Johnson, what made him, I think, so good at TCU was his, you know, yards after catch and able to, you know, make plays in space after he got the ball in his hands. You know, a lot of people kind of coming into the draft season really just saw him as a deep threat, which he is, but I think he can do a lot of things for his size. Just if you get the ball on, you know, little bubble screens, little crossers, little dig routes and let him kind of do his thing. So I think they're going to have to do that to get other guys involved because if this becomes just a, a key in on Keenan kind of day, uh, it might be a long one for this Chargers offense. How about the offensive line? That matchup against the Jets defensive line should be an interesting one. It's been frustrating, I think, for Chargers fans, Scott, because this offensive line on paper looked great in camp. You know, they've they've invested a lot. Rashawn Slater coming back from injury after being a, you know, a Pro Bowl rookie left tackle. They drafted Zion Johnson in the first round. Um, they Jeremy Salyer, who ended up filling in for uh, Rashawn Slater last year injury who played great they're able to keep him on the on the offensive uh on the as a guard they slid him over where it was his position in college and and then Trey Pipkins they re-signed in the offseason because he finally made that jump after being a former third round pick but I think the fact that Corey Lindsley who's the stalwart has been out he's kind of the I mean as is the center a lot of times he's kind of the the brainchild of the whole thing and going from him to Will Clapp is a huge drop off no disrespect to Will Trapp but it's just you know the the facts there with how good Corey Lindsley is so it's a unit that's it's played all right it hasn't played up to the standard I think that was expected this was expected to be a top seven unit in the NFL and I don't think they've been that um, but they have a lot of talent there and they're going to be going up against a real good Jets defensive line as you know 
and a unit that's going to be coming after them. So it's going to be, as I said, you know, to your last question, they're, they're going to have to get the ball out quick. They're going to have to stick to the run game to keep the defense honest because I, I don't trust this offensive line at this point to just drop Herbert back 40 times and expect them to go man on man and be able to slow this Jets defensive line down. The Jets defensive line is one of their biggest strengths, but the Chargers have some pretty effective pass rushers too. And the Jets offensive line is in flux right now. You saw what the Giants did to them last week. 15 pressures for Dexter Lawrence all by himself. Now we all know how good Dexter Lawrence is. But the Chargers have some pretty good pass rushers as well, as I said. You've got Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack. You've also got Sebastian Joseph Day, who, of course, Brandon Staley brought over from the Rams. He's been pretty effective, too. He's got a couple of sacks. And in the secondary, some nice young players there with Derwin James, who's emerged as one of the best safeties in the league. And, of course, Asante Samuel Jr., who's got a couple of picks this year. So unpack that Chargers defense for us a little bit. It's weird because, as you said, They've been a really bad defense statistically, which you wouldn't expect on a team run by Brandon Staley. But at the same time, they've got some talented players there. So it feels like there should be a moment at some point where this all comes together. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, we're, I mean, it, we've been waiting, I think, for that moment. And we've gotten a few times over the, you know, two and a half years or three and a half years Um you know, since they, they've come to town and it just hasn't been able to be put together consistently. And it's been the thing for this team in general, right? They just haven't played complimentary football in all three phases. But when you look at the talent level, it, it should be a lot better than it is. But I think when you kind of peel it back and look at what's happening, you know, this top end talent isn't playing, I think, to the level they're capable of. And people can blame a number of things. You can blame coaching, you can blame the player itself, whatever. But, you know, I think when you look at Joey Bosa, who's been, he's been good this year, but he hasn't been what you expect from Joey Bosa, the elite pass rusher that he became known as after being drafted third overall. Khalil Mack has had some really good games, obviously that six sack game against the Raiders. And then he's been kind of just okay in other games. Derwin James, that probably one of his worst seasons actually as a charger, as a professional this year, just has had some struggles in coverage, has had some missed tackles that have given up some big plays. And so when your your top end talent guys aren't playing to what is expected and nationally, everyone just says, oh, it's got to be Brandon Staley because look at the talent they have. But in reality, when those top 10 talent guys aren't playing like you would expect them to play, it, it kind of just trickles down and all starts you know, bleeding out in a bad way. So those three guys, I think, just need to play better overall. Like I said, they haven't been horrible but they just haven't been elite pro bowl, all pro level, which you think they're capable of. So if they play better, that's one start, one positive. Their second round pick this year, Tuli Tuli Pelotu, another USC Trojan has honestly probably been their best defensive player at a totality. I mean, he's been fantastic when he's on the field. Um, He usually runs kind of inside of Joey Bosa on, you know, certain NASCAR packages and stuff of that matter. And it's, it's just, got a tremendous motor and just gets after the quarterback and really gap sound and really just a smart fundamental football player. Eric Hendricks, who they brought over from Minnesota when he's been healthy, missed a couple games there early, but he's been really good. And then Kenneth Murray, his running mate next to him has been his best. He's been in his career after being drafted in the first round. So they've, they've got some pieces that I think have improved overall this year. It's just the stars have almost, you know, declined a little bit. So if they can get everyone kind of on the same page, which is the storyline for this entire Chargers team in 2023, then this is a pretty damn good football team. But until they do that, we're going to see a lot of the inconsistencies we've seen. So hopefully they can start putting together. Uh, I know I'm rambling a little Scott here, but one thing I thought was kind of interesting, whether this helps or not, but they implemented 
I came out, they do this uh, show that's an in-house, almost like an HBO hard knocks, but the chargers produce it. It's called all in. It's like their YouTube show. Awesome access They're The chargers production team is unbelievable. One of the best in the business or the best in the business. And so one of the latest episodes, they were in um, the meeting rooms. The whole episode was all just the meeting rooms. And Derek Ansley, who's the defensive coordinator, spent an entire meeting basically talking about how they're not performing because they're not having fun. And, you know, it's professional. You got to be professional. But I think there's some level of that that can be true. This is still a game. This is still, you know, these guys are love doing this or should love doing this. And so they've literally now implemented choreographed celebrations for when they do things right because they want to make the game fun again and we'll see if that translates to a higher performance but i thought that was interesting that it's like you know i think we're beating ourselves up too much we're, we're inconsistent this let's make this fun and see if that can help kind of trickle down and and you know do things good for us so we'll see if they get any of those celebrations out on the field at metlife on on monday night i assume having fun will be part of the strategy what else do you think is going to be part of the strategy here for brandon staley and his crew and then prediction time you don't have to give me an exact score but roughly how do you think this thing's going to go yeah i mean i think your strategy is you know obviously you know better than me, but from what I've seen with Zach Wilson, the Jets are going to want to run the football pretty well. They obviously Zach Wilson can still beat you. I think he's played better than probably nationally has been given credit for. Um, but that's you want to force Zach Wilson to beat you if you're the Chargers. Now, ironically enough, the Chargers have a much better run defense than they do pass defense. So it's kind of a, a matchup almost stalemate if you will of what's going to come out better and then offensively i kind of alluded to it earlier obviously you just want to get the ball out of justin herbert's hands quickly you want to stick to the run game even if it's not effective early just to keep the defense honest and kind of force the jets to play physical which they're very very good at but you know after a while maybe you wear them down you're able to get one of those explosive plays uh late in the game that we've seen kind of happen to good defenses you know later on as as offenses just stay um, you know, within themselves and not force things early on. So I think it's it's a pretty simple game plan for this. And the Jets are just really, really good and really sound fundamentally at all phases. And so the Chargers is going to have to be, you have to be sound and fundamental and stick to the script and then just wait for your chances. Because at the end of the day, I think the talent level, at least when you look at some of the top end talent, the Chargers are, if not equal, maybe a little bit above in certain regard, uh, but we'll see if they get that done. Thanks, Ryan. Before we run, let's try and get you some money in your pocket. Picks from around the NFL from my buddy Walter Cherpinski of WalterFootball.com. Walt, go ahead. The floor is yours, my friend. Thanks, Scott. Going to begin with the Jets as usual. They're three-and-a-half-point home underdogs to the Chargers on Monday Night Football, a line that I quite don't really understand. Uh, I think this would be closer to pick them, maybe even the Jets being a small favorite. Um, the Chargers are not that good of a team. Their defense has been really bad, especially against the pass. They have a good pass rush, uh, which is a little bit worrying about the Jets and their offensive line woes. But overall, this this Charger team just doesn't have much going for it uh, defensively. Um, and the running game is, is pretty lackluster. So that's the one area in the defense where the Jets can be beaten a little bit. But you know, the Chargers rely so much on the pass, and the Jets are great against the pass. They've uh, 
embarrassed to quote uh, Robert Sala. So many great quarterbacks this year. Josh Allen, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. I feel like Justin Herbert is next on the chopping block. I think the Jets went outright. Uh, There are five Sunday games I like, uh, beginning with the Vikings plus four. Uh, So this line has dropped from five. Uh, Jaron Hall is starting for the Vikings, and it's a shame because season's over for the Vikings, and I really thought this this Minnesota team was better than last year's team. Last year, they, they had so many fluke victories, and their defense was bad. This year, the opposite happened. They had so much bad luck at the beginning of the year, uh, but their defense is ranked seventh. Uh, Brian Flores is doing a great job with that defense, and I, I think they're the better team than Atlanta. I mean, even even with the quarterback, like Taylor Heineke is not that much better than anyone else, um, and if you look up and down the roster, I think Minnesota is much better than the Falcons in most places. Th- this line is, is such an overreaction to the quarterback injury. Uh, I think Minnesota wins outright. I'm um, not only betting the plus four, I'm also betting the minus two and a half alt line. I, I, another uh, team starting a back with quarterback, the Rams at plus three. I like them over the Packers. Uh, there's no scenario in which the Packers should be minus three over anyone except for maybe Arizona. This this Packer team has been so bad. They, they've lost to the Broncos and the Raiders in consecutive weeks. Uh, they got trashed by Minnesota last week. They, they can't really do anything. They can't block. They can't run the ball. They can't defend the run. They can't get after the quarterback that well. Um, they can't cover. They just traded their best cornerback. Like, this Packers team is just so bad. And I know the Rams are probably going to be starting Brett Rippon. Um, but Sean McVay is a great uh, offensive coach. And, you know, we saw what he did with John Wolford almost beating the Seahawks last year. And then Baker Mayfield coming off a plane right away and, and beating the Raiders on a Thursday night game and then trashing Denver on Christmas. Uh, Sean McVay can work wonders with bad quarterbacks. And uh, it's not like Brett Rippon has a tough matchup here. I think the Rams should be, able, should be able to run the ball on the Packers pretty well. And I think they're going to win outright, too. Uh, I like the Texans minus two and a half against the Buccaneers. Uh, I think the Buccaneers are a fraud team. We came into the year thinking that Tampa was a bottom five team, and they had some fluke victories. Like week one against Minnesota, they won because Kirk Cousins imploded with some bad turnovers. Week two, they had the Bears, and Justin Fields ran just twice after the opening drive, and yet the the Buccaneers were still only up by three with two minutes left. And then they beat the Saints when Derek Carr was injured and couldn't throw the ball downfield. Otherwise, Tampa has been trashed in most games. I know they had a backdoor cover against the Bills, but that was so fluky. Uh, They've gotten blown out in uh, other instances and I think that Houston should be able to beat them. I think Houston matches up pretty well against the Buccaneers who can't defend the pass uh, pretty well. And uh, the Houston with C.J. Shroud uh, and those receivers, uh, they have a healthy receiving core except for Robert Woods. Uh, I think they should be able to take advantage of that. I like the Giants plus one and a half against the Raiders. Uh, the Giants have quietly been very good defensively recently. People remember them from the Monday night game against the Seahawks, but they've only not covered once since that game. Uh, they're 2-1-1 against the spread since that that embarrassing loss uh, with their only lost cover against the Dolphins, which was uh, kind of a close game. Uh, the Giants, in their past three games, they've limited the Bills to 14 points. They limited Washington to just seven, and really that seven was off a muff punt, so really it's just zero. And, and then they had that, uh, of course, last week against the Jets that they could have won uh, if it wasn't for a late charge uh, for the Jets. Um, and the Giants are getting back Daniel Jones, so they don't have to worry about uh, Tommy DeVito playing quarterback again. Andrew Thomas may play, uh, so this Giants team is looking better, and the Raiders, they, uh, they're they coming off a tough schedule here. Uh, they played in the Central Time Zone two weeks ago, then they traveled to the Eastern Time Zone last Monday night. Now they had to travel back to Las Vegas on a short week, and then they fired their coach on Tuesday night, really Wednesday morning. 
Um, and they're and they're starting a backup quarterback against a really good defense. I, I think that the Raiders are going to lose this game. I like the Giants. Also in the NFC East, I like the Cowboys plus three over the Eagles. Eagles minus three looks so easy. I've had so many people come to me and say, "Why, well, why are the Eagles only minus three? Makes no sense." Well, I think Dallas is the better team if you look metrics wise. Dallas is ahead of the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles defense is the big culprit here. They're twenty third in EPA. They can't cover at all. Uh, they traded for Kevin Byard, but he looked lost in last week's game. Maybe he's going to be better, but I think Dallas right now um, I, I think is the better team, and I think this is a statement game for them. Everyone thinks the Eagles are the best team in the NFL, but Dallas uh, could come in and say, no, we're the best team here. We deserve all the praise, and I think that this is uh, this is a game where they could really showcase themselves and, and, and uh, make a case for themselves to be in the conversation for a Super Bowl run. So those are the WalterFootball.com Week 9 picks against the spread. Back to you, Scott. Thanks, Walter, and thank you for listening. Make sure you check out everything that Ryan is doing over at the LA Football Network and, of course, what Walter and Charlie Campbell are doing over at WalterFootball.com. Check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got some awesome All-22 breakdowns on our channel, so watch those videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash PlayLikeAJet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital, playlikeajet.com.